Good evening. Good evening. Let me pray. We're going to read Psalm 133, and then I have some things to share about Advent, and then we're going to sing, and then we're going to eat so much food. It's going to be delicious. The house, I ran an aviation club for the school that I teach at, and I like opened the door for my study to come outside, and the house smelled like magic. So <clears throat> I'm excited to, to feast. So let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for this evening and for our family gathered here and for this season. So we ask you to bless us. Uh, we ask you to strengthen us as we grow, as we grow in the church calendar, as we grow in observance, as we grow in joy in our faithfulness to you. And so we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133. This is the word of the Lord. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mounds of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> be to God indeed. It's good to see everybody. Can you believe it's December? That was the moment that I had, I was saying to Craig earlier, Wednesday hit me and I thought I had a whole extra week of, for everything, like for finals, for a PhD, for finals, preparing for classes I teach, for prep for Advent, and, 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 and then Wednesday it was like, nope, <laughs> it is all, it is all here. But it says most wonderful time of the year. I think that was actually what was playing when we turned the speaker off. It, it really is this most incredible time of the year. And I mean, it's, it's a time and a season for us, hey guys, um, that is full of joy, it's full of colors. Last week we actually talked about calendars and colors and Catholicity. We, we, we talked about the calendar and the colors and um, the seasons of our colors. We still need to fix the bottom of the stools. It's like a surprise for new people. I mean, you're not a new person, but you haven't sat on the stool in a while. So last week we also talked about why we follow the church calendar. And there was, I gave you an encouragement that as we grow into this next year as a church together, that we're going to grow in calendar observance and tradition observance. And so it's kind of, my hope is that it's going to be a stretch point and a growth point for everybody. And so we talked last week also about tradition and the importance of tradition. And traditions are things that are not to be worshipped, right? They don't hold any authority over us, but they can be beautiful things that glorify God. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about this time of the year, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We're going to talk about the church calendar. We're going to talk about traditions. And we're going to talk about it all within the context of Advent. Which really what I should have said I opened is tomorrow is Happy Christian New Year. It's, our, it's the beginning of our church calendar tomorrow, which is really exciting. I don't know if anybody says that. I don't know if there's like a Happy Advent Sunday, like New Year's greeting. But maybe we should start one. But like we said last week, the new year for the church begins tomorrow begins on the first Sunday of Advent. So how many of you before here have celebrated Advent in some capacity at all? You have, you have. We have too. So we did when I was a kid, when I grew up in the Episcopal Church. I know that you did in the Roman Catholic Church. We always had like an Advent wreath, kind of like the one on the table there. And I remember that probably some prayers and liturgy changed, but I wasn't really paying attention because I wasn't in faith. And so I didn't really know what Advent was other than some of the songs are different, the colors were different, we lit the candles and the wreath at home, and then of course Christmas comes at the end. But when I came to faith, we weren't really attending churches that celebrated Advent. So Chris and I would talk about it, we didn't really do much, or we would do little scattered things back from things that we remembered from when we were kids, but we hadn't really put 
a lot of detailed thought into the Advent period uh, until a little bit uh, farther along in our journey in faith. I think I pretty much wrote off, especially early in coming to faith, like Advent was this Catholic or like Episcopal thing that I did a long time ago that we don't really need to do now. And so I wrote it off, really. I didn't see really any value in it, and the churches we were going to didn't value it, so I just put it out of my mind. And that's part of the reason I said last week that we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I would encourage you to, especially as we kind of grow into this liturgical season this next year. But we, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater because there, there are beautiful parts of the Advent tradition that are God-honoring and glorifying and that we should be bringing into practice in our lives as Christians. So the question is, what is Advent? And it comes from the Latin word that means coming. And it's this season and time of preparation and also patience. It is the very beginning of the Christian year, and we begin our year with a season of waiting, of patient, hopeful anticipation, but it's still patience nonetheless. Yuri Brito, who is the presiding minister of the council, I think that's what, what it is, he's, he is the presiding minister over the council of the CREC, who he's got a podcast called The Perspectivalist. If you don't follow it, you really should. He's funny and he's brilliant, and in every single episode, he makes a Nacho Libre reference in the voice, too. And he's Brazilian, so he can do the Jack Black Nacho Libre voice. Like, it's, it's A+. Plus. Uh, but what he said in a recent email that he sent out was that we don't actually love this season. In fact, many of us hate the season of Advent because we are impatient people, and it is a season that requires patience. And I think he's right. We, we don't like to want or to long for things. We're annoyed when it can't be here by tomorrow. You know those little clips in the shelves that hold your shelves together? We had a couple of them had catastrophic failure in that cabinet. And so uh, we've been waiting for FEMA to come fix it, so they're not going to show up. But I was able to order some right on Amazon. Like I ordered them this morning, and they were delivered by 2 o'clock this afternoon or, or 3 o'clock this afternoon. We, we live in a culture of that is designed to feed our impatience. Like we're really annoyed when something can't be here in two days. Our standard, our standard is now like we live in a big city. Why can't it be here in two days? It really should be able to be here tomorrow. We've forgotten as a culture how to wait. And I would say that we are all people that really need to learn patience again. I particularly need to learn patience. And Advent is a season that begins our year off by teaching us patience. I mean, parents know this. When you have kids, you have this, when you're pregnant, you have this nine-month waiting period, this advent of something is coming, something life-changing is going to happen, but you have to wait, and you have to be patient, and there's anticipation, and there's excitement, and there's some terror, because you know something incredible is coming. But the timing of that thing is out of your control. My first daughter decided to show up two months early. You know, Children three through five, you guys wanted to stay as long as possible and hang out in the cozy womb of mom. You were, we just scheduled you. We're like, oh, it's supposed to be a huge, it was going to be one of those Denver-like snowstorms of the century. It's going to be the blizzard of the century. It didn't snow at all. I don't even think it was like two snowflakes happened that day. But there's waiting, there's anticipation for a thing that you don't know when it's going to happen, but you know that it's coming. You see, Advent is a season of this type of patient anticipation. Because we know something really big is coming, coming, uh, something important, something beautiful, something glorious. But you have to wait. 
And we, we see periods of waiting all over Scripture. Noah knew waiting, right? He had to sit in an ark. He had to sit in this ark waiting for, for dry land and, and, and clear skies, waiting for the, the, the sound of that storm to end. The Jewish people knew waiting, waiting to be freed from slavery, waiting to be freed from exile. And then you have this period we call the intertestimonial period. It's the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's like 400 years. And it's a gap of prophecy. It's, it's a period of waiting. It's the period of waiting until Jesus comes. There's no prophecy. Nobody's hearing things actively from God. And I was trying to think about this. I don't know what the average lifespan then was, but you've got to figure if it was 400 years, it's probably at least five generations of people. Right? It's five generations of people that are waiting in this Advent for the Messiah. Is he going to come? Is it really true? Should we just give up? 400 years is a long time to wait. But what we see consistently through God's covenant and, and consistently through the timeline of history is that the wait is always worth it. Because our God, our covenantal God, is a good God. He's the God who always keeps his promises. And he's also a God who keeps his promises but is full of surprises. Think about the surprise that we're actually in this period waiting for. This, this young couple, they're not wed. Nobody had known each other, if you catch my drift. And all of a sudden, Mary's pregnant. So Joseph wants to quietly divorce her, which says things about his character. He thinks that she's possibly been involved in immortality because you know, immorality, not immortality. She is involved in immortality as well, though, ironically, <clears throat> in more than one way. <laughs> You never know what you're going to say. Thinks she's been immoral, so he, he decides he's going to divorce her quietly. But then this angel gets involved, and this young couple raised the Son of God, who, who literally came to save the world, but not in this way that anybody expected. The, seri the, 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 the period, like this time of waiting, it materializes itself in, in a way that only our incredibly paradoxical, and, and um, good God could do it. In only way that he could do it. A son that is born that the whole world shook at his birth, right? It, so much so that it has changed the way that the world keeps track of time, even to this date. Everybody in the world tracks time based on Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you don't think God has an incredible sense of humor. Nobody can deny the impact of Jesus coming to earth who came as a baby in a feed trough in a barn. We have an incredible God. That baby finishes work on a cross as a man so that he can bring the good news as the only hope for humanity. And I mean that seriously. Like, I think you know this, that we've spoken about this at church a lot, especially recently, that the only hope that the world has is Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about it more tomorrow. Like, really think about that. King Jesus is the only hope the world has. Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the hope of the world, the Prince of Peace, the child that was born, a real flesh and blood baby who pooped his diapers and cried when he was hungry. The Messiah, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace the one who came to redeem the world. But there was waiting. You see, there's waiting then, but there's also waiting now. Jesus has already come. Right? He's alive and He's present. We, we've passed the first advent. 
but we still celebrate Advent. And, and we, we celebrate Advent right now, even though it's happened. We focus on the waiting on His birth. We focus on thinking about the coming Messiah, the hope and the love and the joy and the peace. We actually think about it in those, those ways in four different seasons during the Advent period each Sunday. Hope, love, joy, and peace. Because those, those reminders, this period of waiting for the event that's already taken place is the framework for how we are to await Jesus' return, which is the second Advent, which is the Advent that we are in right now. The first Advent is the anticipation of Christ's birth. The second Advent is, is the anticipation of His return. And think about it. It involves waiting. and involves patience. and involves kingdom building. This is the theme of everything that we've been speaking about at church for quite some time as we've worked through Matthew. It requires our responsibility to live out our faith in actionable ways. And you see, sometimes, and I would imagine it felt like this, especially when no one was receiving any prophecy, it can feel like you're not making any progress, especially when Clown World's doing the Clown World things that it has a tendency to do. See, Advent teaches us how to faithfully wait and how to faithfully work in that period of waiting, how to have hope and love and joy and peace, and how to anticipate like great things. And that anticipation drives us to wait with joy. When I was a kid, back in the Dark Ages, they used to have catalogs that they would mail you for toys. The other grown-ups in here will remember this. And they were color flip through them and you'd find things that you wanted or you'd save up for these things, right? And you had to cut out at the back. You'd like cut out the order form and then write in the order form and mail it with a check. And you send them a do not send cash. And have your parents write a check and then mail it off. And you had to wait. And there's no order tracking and there's no phone number and there was no customer service agent. And you didn't even know if the envelope with the check got to the place until the bank maybe cashed the check. And it was probably still coming from China, but they probably weren't flying it over, so it was on a boat somewhere, right? And it took time. And there was no way to figure out when it was going to come. You didn't know. It was like, is it going to be here on Tuesday, Dad? Yeah, Amazon says it'll be here before 9 p.m. We're six stops away. So each day when I would order one of these things, I used to find, like, I used to have, come around to Tristan, I had all these, you know, like the equivalent of Hot Wheel cars. You have, like, the mat. Like I would buy accessories for the mat, like the traffic light and all this other cool stuff. The batteries would light up so you could turn the colors. It was great. So every day, even like the day after you mail it, you run to the mailbox, open it. No, it's not there. And it felt like forever. But then what happens the day that it comes, there's the box, there's the package you open. It's the thing that you've been waiting for. It's good waiting. It's, excite, it's excitement. It's come. And I loved it. So I still love getting the mail. I still love getting the mail. And now mostly it's just my coffee being delivered, which I'm also equally as excited about when the Sweet Bloom weekly delivery makes, makes, its, uh, makes its appearance at the house. Now, Jesus obviously isn't a toy. He isn't something you mailed off for to, 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 to get, but he is a gift. What he did for you is a gift. It's an incredible gift. And he's a gift because your hope, all of our hope is, is placed in him. And so that's what our focus this week in Advent is going to be. We're going to, for the next four Sundays at church, look at Advent through the Psalms. So we're going to look at four different Psalms uh, over the next four weeks in Advent, and then we'll come back to Matthew, excuse me, after the New Year. And so um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited because we're going to get to look at hope and love and joy and peace through the Old Testament, 
through new eyes, which is what we're going to talk about tomorrow tomorrow morning before church. It's really incredible. I didn't really know what I was going to talk about for Advent until, you know, yesterday. And um, I, I tried to really lean into trusting God. And I said to Kristen, I came after I was done doing my writing for tomorrow and I came out of the study, Kristen was getting ready. And I was like, it just cracks me up, like how it always all lines up. Like God always puts all the things and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Through new eyes. We're going to talk about the Psalms. We're going to look at we're going to look at parts of the Bible that we may have seen before, but with these open eyes, and we get to see the Messiah in the people that we're hoping in their advent for the Messiah. And then we get to apply that to our lives now as we hope and we wait, and as we hope and wait through difficult times sometimes, and persecution and struggle and whatnot. So let's just talk about a few Advent traditions before we, we sing and eat. So one of the first ones, which I did when growing up, which you see on the table there, is the Advent wreath. Interestingly, as I was looking this up, the wreath, the wreath is a symbol from the Reformation. It was a, it was a Reformation tradition to Advent. Now, the wreath we have, it, the, the way it looks now is probably not how it looked in the Reformation. That's taken on different cultural pieces to it. But this idea of something made of evergreen and being in a circle symbolizing eternal life. So the symbol is this reminder of those things. And so you see there's four candles. There actually, there will be a fifth candle in the center. We need, to, we need to order one. But we have three purple and a pink, and there'll be a white candle in the center. And so the, the four candles on the outside are for each of the Sundays in Advent. And it's purple, purple, pink, purple. Just so you know. So the candle for joy in the third week is lit. And then the center on Christmas Eve will light a white candle to symbolize Christ. These symbols aren't things to be worshipped. They don't. There's no magical power in the wreath. Um, it's just flammable, really, and um, <laughs> and beautiful. There's no magical power in the wreath, wreath or the symbol. And the symbol is not something that is supposed to be worshipped. But what it is is it's it's a reminder. It's a it's a physical. Hey guys, it's a physical object that reminds us of the glorification of something else. And so I think that we can use these things as as tools that help us reflect on the things that we should be reflecting on. And uh, this week particularly, I want us to reflect on hope, and specifically that the hope that we have in Jesus, and the fact that Jesus is our only hope, like our, our absolute only hope, because without Him we would be utterly hopeless people. And we see the rotten fruits. We're going to talk more a little bit about this tomorrow, but we see the rotten fruits in the world that doesn't have Jesus. But we have hope because He did come, and we're in this second advent where we know He will come again. You have the benefit of knowing what's going to happen. Like, you've already been told the story, and and you have the proof. Like, it's really incredible. We, We know it is true because we have the proof, and we have the witnesses, and we have the story, and we have the revelation from God, and we know what is coming. So we live in this time of hopeful, patient anticipation. Christ will come again. I mean, think about what we say in the liturgy. We say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. That's why in this season of Advent, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we use this to train us to be in joyful and patient and working anticipation as we prepare for the return of Christ. We're actively preparing His world. It's not our work that brings Him back. But we are called to go do work on behalf of His kingdom, to build His kingdom, to glorify Him. So we transform it. We glorify it. We take dominion over it. We beautify it. That's why the wreath is beautiful. That's why the house is beautiful. 
And we don't do it for our glory, but we do it for His glory. And so during this, this time of Advent, it should be a place where we're reflecting deeply on the birth of Christ, how the world changed in the instant when that took place. And that's why we're going to sing this year. We're going to do one. But did you know that there are Advent hymns? There are separate hymns for Advent than there are for Christmas. Some churches do an Advent hymn caroling evening and a Christmas carol evening. 2024 Advent hymn evening? Yeah, I think for next year. I think we should shoot for that. So this year we're going to sing O Come, uh, O Come, O Come, Ye Emmanuel. That's going to be our Advent hymn that we're going to add to the liturgy up until Christmas Eve, Eve, which is the 23rd. And then we'll do our Christmas uh, Eve, Eve, Christmas carol sing night here. And then for the Christmas Eve service, which is Sunday morning on the 24th, we will sing Christmas carols in, in church. But I'm excited. Next Saturday, I'm going to go through the lyrics of O Come, Come Ye Emmanuel. And we're going to break them apart and really, like, I think when you start reading the hymns and studying the hymns, the depth that, the, the, like, start peeling it back, it's incredible. It's so incredible. And so when you get to church tomorrow, you should take, or you can look at it here, take a look at the Cantus. And you can flip through, they, they're broken apart by sections. It says Advent hymns in it. You can flip through and see some of the incredible hymns about waiting and anticipation. So my prayer is that you do something to celebrate Advent this year. Maybe get a wreath and light a candle. Or at least some prayerful reflection on the topics and, and um, um, topics isn't the word I really want to use, but the themes of the week. The hope, the love, the joy, and the peace. See, we're preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We, we get to prepare for the celebration, for the feast. That's why we decorate and we clean and we wait and we work and we wait. We do these things with hope and love and joy and peace. But we also apply this to our greater lives. Look what Matthew says, a sneak peek for chapter 25. 25, 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour of Christ's return. We don't know. So we're always in this advent of preparation. Just as we get the house clean and prepared and, 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 and get it decorated in joyful preparation for Christmas, we are doing that with the world. We are going out and beautifying and preparing the world for the joyful return of Christ's second coming. So you should watch. You should stay alert because there is work to be done. It's glorious work. Sometimes it's gloriously tiring work. This week was a week of gloriously tiring work. But it is work that is for Him. And so come together as a family or, or here or at church or with friends or even by yourself and light an Advent candle. Pray. Find an Advent hymn. If O Come, O Come, Ye Emmanuel is the only one you know, then sing that. And sing it together with the people you're with. Sing it at the people you're with if they don't want to sing with you. Sing it alone. Sing it at your pets. Read scripture. I put the lectionary readings for uh, each week inside the email. I'd encourage you to, to read those, especially as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. And then I want you to reflect that God came to us in flesh <laughs> as a baby so that He could die for you, and, and that He could be seated at the right hand of the Father so that He could be present for you in your life right now, that He can comfort you in your time of need right now. He's the rock. He's the firm foundation. And, and the joyous thing is that He's coming back. Like We're going to talk tomorrow. It's hopeful because it's, it's getting better. You can be, Jordan calls it, um, what, was he, what does he call the seasons of 
setbacks, periods of setbacks, I think is how James Jordan phrased it. And we're looking at history from here. God's looking at history from here. It's glory hallelujah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow as we, we look at this next year through new eyes, as we look at Advent through new eyes. Christ was born. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. And so I pray that we will all wait in joyful and patient anticipation of His return. Amen? Amen. Let's sing a couple hymns and then let's eat so much food.